This is Masters of Dispute Resolution on PodClips. Masters of Dispute Resolution is designed to provide those involved in the mediation process with the views of the most experienced and accomplished mediators and others experienced in the process. Through our discussions, you will gain insight into how to address and overcome difficult issues and achieve more satisfying results in mediation. Your host is Len Levy, mediator and arbitrator with ADR Services, Inc., a leading alternative dispute resolution provider. Lynn litigated complex cases for more than 30 years and has been a mediator since 1998 and is a member of the National Academy of Distinguished Neutrals. He has been recognized as a super lawyer in alternative dispute resolution each year since 2014. And now your host, Lynn Levy. Thank you, Daryl. Welcome, everyone. And thank you for joining us on Masters of Dispute Resolution. I'm Lynn Levy, and we are brought to you in part today by Lawyers Pacific Insurance Brokerage, Inc. And uh, we are going to be joined today by Anna Sambold, who is an extraordinary mediator, trainer, teacher, an adjunct professor. Um, And we are going to be talking about a great deal of things. Uh, And one of them is basically going to be dealing with the necessity of translating sometimes in mediation. Anna is uh, a, just as I say, an extraordinary mediator. uh, And she is one of California's leading figures in the field of alternative dispute resolution. She's fully bilingual, um, both as a mediator and arbitrator and uh, has successfully conducted in both English and Spanish uh, over a thousand mediations and arbitrations involving complex matters. Uh, Anna's uh, fluency in Spanish and her background uh, being raised in Colombia uh, has given her a perspective on multicultural issues as well. We are going to be getting a very unique perspective from someone whose practice is in the business, commercial, insurance coverage, real estate, torts, wrongful death, personal injury, employment, and uh, an entire package of mediation skills uh, will be on display, if not today, uh, if you have the opportunity to mediate with uh, Anna. So um, I want to get started with just the fact that you grew up in a different culture. How does that influence your mediating a matter? Well, um, first of all, thank you for inviting me. Thank you for having me. Um, it's such an honor. Um, yes, uh, I I believe that when you raise and you are from another country, you have a different perspective, and maybe. Um, and it's not only that, I, uh, I guess you, I was born and raised in Colombia. Um, my husband is German and I've been living here for 25 years. So I guess that is why I give you, uh, I get that, that gives me a different, a really different perspective and really a unique perspective about how to handle and how to facilitate um, the resolution of cases in between people from different cultures 
And I believe that it gives me a really good approach and, and from my own experience, I think so um, you can develop a better sense of what people is going through when you know their culture and mm, their language and, and what, it, what they used to. Uh, resolution is all about communication, right? So if you can communicate with um, people um, and you don't know their, their, what they used to do, it's always going to be hard and complicated. So um, I believe that is always very beneficial to have that perspective. Okay, well, you've seen um, a, a lot of challenges with parties who have um, language barriers. Um, I, I think in the context of mediation, we talked about that uh, in, in our conversation. Um, but what I'd like to understand is, are those language barriers just between the parties or are there language barriers that exist that attorneys have to deal with between themselves and their clients? Yeah, it's interesting that um, most of my cases sometimes are the the attorney doesn't speak Spanish and the client um, normally speaks only Spanish. And so it's interesting because during the mediation, and I call those my Spanglish mediations because I had to speak to the client in Spanish. I had to speak to the attorney in English. and, And at some point I ended up just speaking in Spanglish. And I'm trying to figure everything out. But what is interesting is that sometimes during the mediation, I found out that um, maybe because um, 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 the, the attorney didn't speak, Sp- didn't speak Spanish, um, they, and somebody just translated to them what, what was happening with the client. Um, maybe they, they missed some details or some information that was really important for the case. So um, that's what I, I always recommend uh, attorneys to either going to have a Spanish speaking client uh, and if they don't speak Spanish, be sure that you get a good um, translator or somebody that translate everything, not only get your secretary that speaks a little bit of Spanish, but be sure that you communicate and you understand everything that is happening in the case with the client. Um, that's what I would recommend. Well, one one of the things that that occurs to me is that understanding a client involves more than just translating words, right? Yeah. So what you really want to do as a mediator, I think, and we've, we've discussed this, you and I, is to truly understand the interests of the client. Sometimes that requires a bit more of a subtle understanding. Mm-hmm. C- can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah. Um, sometimes, um, and I had a case, and I think I mentioned it to you before, where um, it was a transgender uh, sexual harassment case, and the client only speaks Spanish. And I realized during the mediation, um, speaking to the client directly, that um, that the client really needed to settle the case that day because um, it really needed the money. Um, but I guess um, um, the attorney wasn't um, didn't know about 
but the need to settle the case. So on that day, so um, I realized that he didn't really uh, were communicating with the client about and really understood what their underlying interests for the client were in the mediation. So that's why maybe um, um, it's, on, it's not only good to know about the case, but to really understand what is what the client needs and what are the what what are his goals with the mediation, what are his goals and what are his interests, because sometimes it's no it's not only about resolving the case, but about satisfying those interests. And, and you may be aware of all the legal aspects and the facts, but know about what really the client wants. So, and, and many things can get lost in translation when, when you have a Spanish speaking client and, and, and you don't speak the Spanish. So it's always good to be sure that you understand those underlying interests and what your client really wants. Okay. We're speaking with, uh, with Anna Sambol, uh, I'm Len Levy. This is Masters of Dispute Resolution on podclips.io. And we're going to take a break now. And when we get back, we're going to be discussing some of the things that an attorney might want to do before the mediation uh, to understand the client's interests. We'll be right back. Masters of Dispute Resolution is sponsored by the National Academy of Distinguished Neutrals. NADN is the premier invitation-only association of civil mediators and arbitrators in the United States, with members in every state of the nation. Only experienced ADR professionals who are widely acceptable to local plaintiff and defense firms are invited to join the Academy's roster. The Academy's website, NADN.org is the most widely visited neutrals database in the world today. With over 40,000 law offices, insurance companies, and corporations visiting our free website annually. Firms can search for neutrals by many criteria, including location, case expertise, qualifications, language skills, and most NADN members also publish their available dates, calendars, online making NADN.org the go-to website for law firms wishing to schedule appointments online with their preferred mediators. For more information, please visit www.NADN.org today. Welcome back, everyone. This is Masters of Dispute Resolution. I'm Len Levy, and we're talking with Anna Sambol, a mediator and arbitrator, about things cultural. And uh, one of the, just following up on what we were talking about before the break, there are times when attorneys may not quite get that there is a, a cultural element, cultural element, I should say, in the, uh, in, in the dynamics between the attorney and the client. And one of the things that uh, that might enter into it, and you can tell me if, if if this is correct, is the idea that you're going to re, you're going to simply do what the attorney says, uh, as opposed uh, or, or expressing your own thoughts about what 
you really need an mediation. Is that something that comes up frequently? Yeah, that's exactly what happened. And, and, and I have seen that happen all the time. Um, I guess in some way the clients, um, they just trust 100% and whatever they, uh, the attorney recommends. And instead of communicating what they really need or want during the, during the mediation. So, um, so what I would recommend is to, um, lawyers representing clients, um, Spanish speaking clients. So, or, or that clients that don't speak the language that the attorney is, it speaks is to just go the extra step and trying to find out what are those underlying interests and needs and being sure that um, they really understand what the client, what is in the best interest of the client, because whatever they recommend, the client is just going to follow and, and they're going to trust lead and they, and they're going to just blindly trust them. And so it's always good to be sure that they understand that they know what is in the client's best interest, but be sure that they, um, how, how fast and how efficient, how, what they're going through in their lives. And they have a really good understanding of, of what the client needs. How do you handle that in, in a mediation? Because I can envision a situation where you're talking to the client. Uh, the attorney doesn't speak Spanish. Uh, the client lets you in on something that is, that is a particular interest to the client that the attorney doesn't, doesn't quite get. Um, or the client is doing what you just described. The just relying on the attorney going along with something that is not in the client's best interest. And if the client has told you it's not in their best interest, how do you handle that? Well, my regular practice is always to speak to the attorneys first before the mediation and get a mediation brief and review the mediation brief. And during the pre-mediation phone call after re- reviewing the mediation brief, I, I always um, talk to the attorney and I, and then, and I, and I always let them know that the first thing that I'm going to do when we're together during the mediation is ask the client to give me his perspective about the, what was, what is happening. And, and I always ask the client, um, to share with me what are his goals with the mediation? What do he really want? And if I see some type of, um, kind of inconsistency with what the attorney already told me during the pre-mediation phone call, I always try to make the attorney realize like, well, um, you know what the client is telling me now that, uh, about this, uh, are you aware of that? And, and just trying to make him realize maybe about things that he probably missed and just to facilitate the understanding about what really is happening and what the client's goals with the mediation are. Well, one of the things that that uh, is is helpful, obviously, is that you have to gain the trust of both parties in the mediation and of the attorneys. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if there is a lack of trust, you're going to be less effective as a mediator. Correct. That's right. How do you gain the trust of the uh, parties 
where there might be a dispute, essentially, between the, the attorney and the party as to goals. And, and, uh, that's, that's something that, that might occur. Does it? Oh, yeah. And that happens even if they, they don't have any, any language differences. So, um, that happens, uh, um, often. So what you have to do as a mediator, I guess, is just trying to facilitate even that, trying to, um, explain and trying to, um, um, be sure that everybody's on the same page about what are the goals with, with, with the mediation and about what is in the best interest of the client. And obviously as a mediator, you're not going to antagonize anyone and is, is in, is in the best interest of resolution and, um, that the mediator just facilitate, um, the, the conversation and just promote understanding in general about what it can be the best, um, way to go. But at the end of the day, obviously, it's not the mediator, the one deciding how the case is going to be resolved. The mediator just can facilitate the resolution. So as a mediator, you just can um, facilitate that between even um, between the client and the attorney. Do you also mediate cases? You obviously do mediate a lot of cases. Um, not all of your cases are bilingual cases, correct? Yeah, I, I have many, uh, probably like 60% of my cases are, um, uh, bilingual and another ones are just in English. Okay. Do you find that attorneys, uh, or, uh, or disputants, uh, in, in, uh, in a mediation find you to be particularly uh, because of your ability to bring a another point of view to the mediation. Yeah, and I believe that um, last week I just mediated a case where um, they they we it was funny because we we spent twelve hours mediating the case and at the end it was um, a disagreement about the form of payment and so. Obviously, uh, when everybody was just tired and, and ready to go, and we, we, we faced this challenge uh, that the defendant didn't agree, um, with the form of payment. So what, what I start to suggest was different options and, and bring my, from, and from previous cases, um, uh, and different alternatives to see how we can change the way of that it was suggested. Um, and I, and the, and one of the, one of the lawyers say, look, I really appreciate that you brought that up because I, I didn't think about it. So, um, that is the great thing about, I guess, mediating so many cases that at some point you just, you have seen it all. And if one way doesn't work, well, we can work something out. And, and it's about being persistent and being creative and being positive and being confident that we can get it done and resolve at the end of the day. And that, that's regardless of culture. <laughs> regardless of culture, exactly. Right. That's what I say. Right. Regardless of what language, regardless of the culture, regardless of everything, at the end of the day, as a mediator, yeah, you had to bring different um, options to the parties. You, you, you had to be in some way kind of a cheerleading and keep them positive and keep working on the negotiation. Um, sometimes it's like, well, most of my, my cases, they start, I have a, 
I have plaintiff that is always asking for a million dollars and I have the defendant offering a thousand bucks. That's, that's in average what happened in all my cases, right? I have totally different. I have a huge range. And, and, and in some way, I don't know how at the end of the day, everybody agreed to come to an agreement. So you have to as a mediator just to be persistent and, and positive and confident that we can get it done. Right. Well, we're, we are speaking with the positive mediator on Assembled and we are going to take another break. We are, you are listening to Masters of Dispute Resolution. Uh, I'm Len Levy and we will be back soon. Most attorneys need professional liability coverage, but very few are professional liability experts. And there's so many options when it comes to legal malpractice insurance. How do you know how much coverage you need? What should your policy limits be? What if you've had a past claim? You shouldn't have to take time away from helping your clients to research professional liability coverage. And with lawyer-specific insurance brokerage on your side, you won't have to. They're professional liability experts. Shop California's leading professional liability carriers to find your firm the right coverage at the right price. Lawyer-specific founders Alan Debbie Hernandez have over 50 years combined experience working with the highest-rated providers of lawyers' professional liability insurance. So trust the brokerage with access to over 40 carriers in California and find a cost-effective malpractice insurance solution for your firm. Go to LawyerSpecific.com and click Request a Quote. Masters of Dispute Resolution would like to thank ADR Services Incorporated, your partner in resolution, and its founder Lucy Barron for supporting this podcast. ADR Services is one of the leading providers of alternative dispute resolution in California. Leveraging technology to drive resolution, ADR Services is committed to dynamism in the face of growing client need and an ever-evolving legal climate. Now operating offices in all major legal markets of California, ADR Services provides unparalleled in-person and remote resolution services through its exclusive panel, comprised of more than 130 of the most distinguished and talented neutrals across the state, capable of handling challenging and complex mediations, arbitration, and other procedures in every field of law. When you seek the services of a neutral and you want results and satisfied clients, contact ADR Services, www.adrservices.com. I'm chatting with Anna Sambol. This is Len Levy on Masters of Dispute Resolution on podclips.io. And um, we are talking about a number of things today, um, essentially. Um, what I would like to get into next is the idea of what an, a mediator does, or what Anna does, when it appears that a party from a different culture than the United States does not seem to understand how they could be sued, much less liable. How do you deal with with people who need to to understand that perhaps spending money uh, in a, for example, a wage and hour case, uh, you spend money uh, and you may be spending a lot more money than you would need to uh, just settle the case. But there's a resistance and the resistance is based on principle. That principle is based on culture. How do you deal with that? Yeah, that's right. Um, I have many cases and employment cases, especially when um, the defendant as an employer, um, they have a mom and pop business and, and they told me, well, in our, in our culture, in our country, we didn't 
we didn't have so many lawsuits and we didn't have to deal with all these legal issues. But so it's all about uh, sitting with them and, and just giving them a, a, a little overview of how the legal system works and what is pretty common here. And, um, and just to explain to them that that is the law, um, those are the laws and these are the practices and these are this is what so in some way, a little overview of how the legal system works always make them uh, feel like, oh, okay, so this is what it, this is about. Yeah, exactly. The law here provides that um, um, classification of independent contractors, the presumption that this is an employee, uh, the regulation about wage and hour regulations and, and the law. So you have to, at some point, um, some cases it's all about explaining more the facts. Sometimes I had to explain more the law. Sometimes I had to deal more, more with the emotions that, well, emotions are always run high regardless of the case. But um, I find myself dealing with, depending on the case, with different aspects. And that's what I try to do. If this is about being surprised about the legal um, claims, is about maybe explaining how the the legal system works do you do you find that attorneys uh, don't do that or or fail to do that adequately or uh, or simply that the view of a neutral is something that is particularly helpful yeah i i'm many times the attorney in the pre-mediation phone call is um, asked me to do that um, because they feel like um, hearing from a third party, especially if uh, if, they, if the client doesn't speak English, they always like to hear from the third party um, explaining to them how everything works. It's very helpful. Um, some, so that's what happened uh, a lot of my in a lot of my mediations. Um, is the attorney the one that asked me? So um, please, I would like my client to hear from you in this regard and because he's still surprised about this lawsuit and he still can't believe it and that he's getting sued for this. Okay. So that's what I, I do. And, and, and do you find that, that there is more or less trust in the legal system, people who are from different cultures? Well, I believe that is is not about trusting. It's about um, knowing and understanding how the legal system works. And so it's just about explaining and giving them a, um, a little overview of what is the regular practice here, what is a common litigation um, um, practice. So it's just more about having a good understanding of how everything works. Is there also a need to explain the the risk, and do you find that if it that the there is a different risk tolerance based on culture or language? Well, I guess, and that and that is applicable to all types of mediations, um, regardless if it's among multicultural parties is that uh, people believe what they see on, on TV or on the news that if they go to court, they're going to they're gonna get millions of dollars. And I'm pretty sure I, I had to have my day in court because 
this is what I have seen uh, people. Yeah. Uh, so the people have really high expectations. Sometimes when they come to mediation, plaintiffs have always high expectations and you always have to manage those expectations and you always have to explain. I find myself always explaining what really can happen in, in the litigation process. And I, um, and that going to court is not that just 100% sure for anyone. Um, that is unpredictable. That is expensive. Um, uh, clients are not aware of sometimes of how complicated and expensive is the discovery process. And so I have to always talk about it and explain, look how much it's going to cost you these depots um, and how much it's going to cost you to get all these expert witnesses and how how much time mm-hmm. it's going to take and how unpredictable it is to bring your case to to the jury. So I, in general, I always have to explain that. Let me switch to something else. There is a differing opinion, and you know this from being an adjunct uh, teaching negotiations. There's, there are often differing opinions on what needs to be disclosed at a mediation. Uh, I mean, one, we are guided by the principle of do not aid and abet uh, fraud, <laughs> things of that nature. But um, but is there a difference in culture in terms of, it, or is there a difference between cultures in terms of what is expected to be disclosed and what is not expected to be clo- disclosed? Have you seen that? Well, um, I guess because I'm, I'm in mediation, so the people obviously sometimes um, they and and that's regardless too of any type of mediation. Sometimes uh, parties um, um, they want to save some money and they come to the mediation and just to exchange evidence and save all the expense of the discovery process. And they start exchanging evidence and during the mediation. And when that doesn't happen, obviously that's when we don't end up settling the case because without exchange of information and evidence, it's always hard to prove your claim or your um, or, or your defenses. So, um, but I see that all the time, regardless of the parties' nationalities or cultures. Okay. All right. So, so essentially, in in mediation, uh, what you're trying to do is you're trying to get each side to come closer to the other side's point of view in some way, right? And the uh, ability to keep an open mind is something that is, uh, that is necessary. It, there, there's, there's also one other element, I think, and, and I'd like your comment on. Establishing a degree of trust, is that, how important is that for parties to establish a degree of trust in the other party? Well, they get to mediation is because they don't trust each other. They're involved in a dispute and obviously they don't trust each other. And that is going to be always hard to um, get back. Mm-hmm. Even when in my cases, when the parties settle at the end, they don't, they still don't trust each other. Right. And, and I had a mediation last week too, where the parties were signing the agreement and one of them was saying is told that um, what about it? He goes back to Mexico and he just leave me hanging in here. So we had to go to, um, to the whole process of explaining 
that uh, we were including a 664 provision in the agreement that this is, uh, he doesn't comply or he goes back to Mexico, he wouldn't have any problem just going back to court and enforcing the agreement. But in general, yeah, it, trust is really hard to get back in between the parties. Right. Well, I, I will tell you that at, in terms of being able to trust the mediator, uh, we are talking to someone who uh, deserves your trust as a mediator, as an arbitrator. Um, I've had many conversations with Anna over the years, and uh, I understand completely that uh, that that Anna brings something to the table that many other mediators uh, may not. So um, we are going to wrap up now. Uh, I thank you, Anna, for, for being a guest on this podcast. I hope this is not the last time. And as we wrap up, how can, uh, can the audience uh, contact you? What's the best way? Well, I would say LinkedIn. And, and I love LinkedIn. And um, you can find me, Anna Sambold. Or you can go to my website on Assemble Mediation and Arbitration too. Um, and that's probably the easiest way to find me. Well, thank you for the for the conversation. I, I appreciate it. And thank you, Daryl Wayne, our engineer. Uh, I'm Len Levy. This is Masters of Dispute Resolution on podclips.io, powered by Infogen Labs, Inc. Stay well, keep listening, and remember, peace of mind is enhanced when conflicts are resolved. If you wish to contact Len Levy, you can reach him through his email at lslevy at adrservices.com, through Len's website, lenlevymediate.com, telephone him at 818-903-5562, or contact his case manager at ADR Services, 213-683-1600.